0: Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. This thing is so good, but so bad. I appreciate Drew. Drew's the only one still saying it with me. You get you extra points. So good, but so bad. Ruben, you may be asking, what is so good, but so bad? My answer would be, well, there's a lot of things that are so good, but so bad. Friendships are so good. Like, my friendship with Zab and Dyron is pivotal to my spiritual growth. They pray for me. They, they talk to me when I'm acting funny. Uh, I am able to be fully myself. A lot of you guys know Ruben. I'm a very transparent person, but y'all know Ruben. Y'all don't know Look at Zab and Dyren, They'll tell you, you don't know Ruben. I remember Dyren was like, you know, I just wish, you know, sometimes we'd be closer. But because you're my leader, and, and, and I know there's sometimes. And, and now we fully embrace the friendship. And every time I look at him, and I go, this is what you asked for. You wanted this. That's his so bad. They're so good. My friendship is so good. I honestly, we hold each other accountable. Um, I don't want to get emotional. I wasn't supposed to get emotional. Anyway, they really have been true pillars to my life. Um, I thank you guys, honestly. Um, I don't know that I could do it without you guys. They're like, yeah, we're waiting for the ball to drop. And they're like, what's going to come next, Ruben? Because my friendship with them is so good, and it has been so vital to my spiritual growth. But Dyrin and Zab are both amazing cooks, and they both love to eat, and it has also contributed to my physical growth. <laughs> like, yo, we have eaten ice cream so much that I now know Personally, Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield. Who's that? That's Ben and Jerry's, all right? I have tasted all 31 flavors of Baskin Robbins. We What does that mean? That's German for what's up. I now speak fluent German. That's how much Hagen does. I've eaten with these two. <laughs> Our friendship is so good. But yo, it's so, we've had, you ever, had, I've never thought in my life I would have a serious disciple conversation on a moral, like, hey guys, we got to. We gotta, we gotta stop this sin of ice cream binge eating, all right? I get these late texts from Zab, you up? I wanna, I wanna do a depressed ice cream run. I'm like, no, I can't, Zab, we said no. But we've repented, we no longer consume food, but food itself is so good, so bad. Like, I'm convinced, I'm convinced someone infiltrated Hispanics' culture and introduced them to this thing called petnir because it is so good. But yo, one bite of that thing, I've never eaten a food that you could feel clog your arteries as you chew. <laughs> and why is it that the best part, the skin, is the worst part? Food, for, food. look at that, I'm just thinking about food. The best part is the worst part for you. Food is so good, but so bad. I've had the privilege of, you know, hanging out with a lot of you married couples, and what I've learned is that marriage is so good, like marriage is being in love with someone so much you would take a bullet for them. If you would take a bullet for the very person you sometimes want to put a bullet in. (laughs) There's this quote on marriage. Rita Rudner said, I love being married. It's so great finding that special someone that you want to annoy you for the rest of your life. Where's my married people at? (laughs) You know what else is so good? phones are so good, like you, you guys, it's only because of smartphones that we have a technology like Uber. Y'all remember life before Uber? You had to actually speak to someone to get a cab, and they would tell you 20 minutes, five times, in a two-hour time span. <laughs> My favorite part about Uber, like, like Uber is so good. That's what I love. But on the other hand, like Uber, Right, like I've told you guys my horror stories with Uber. You know what's so good about Uber? Uber gives you that 50% discount, but they're using drug dealer tactics because that's the gateway. Because when you get a 50% discount on Uber, yo, I turn into that dude made in YTO, Uber everywhere. Uber everywhere, skirt skirt. I don't even know what a skirt skirt is. More importantly, how much skirt could a skirt skirt skirt, if a, a skirt skirt could skirt skirt. That was funny for me, I, that was for Ruben today. But then, that 50%, and they don't even give you a notification that your 50% discount is gone. And you only know when you go to request it. And like after a month of, free, of Uber everywhere, I, I can't go back to a life of bus. <laughs> Who takes the 74 here? Y'all know what their bus times be like? You people with cars, just excuse yourselves right now. I don't even want to look at you. On the one hand, phones are connecting people, like long distance relationships are actually possible. Because, like, back when you had to just write letters to communicate, I don't know how they did that. My first love language is physical touch. But now you can connect uh, with FaceTime and text message. There's so many ways. But on the other hand, like, Tinder is a thing. You can swipe a person away, which is crazy, because I kind of wish you could do that in real life. just let me just swipe. <laughs> it 's crazy on the one hand, friendships are being formed through social media. People are connecting all over the world through social media. People are making friends, but on the other hand, social media is ruining friendships. Never did I think a conversation a friendship could end because you unfollowed me. Like, why couldn't you just mute me? Why, why aren't my post notifications on for you? You need, you need to follow me back. Otherwise, we're, that's it. Phones are so good. And on a serious level, phones are really so good. Like, what they're doing with technology is insane. Uh, they, they've been able to detect heart attacks and help people with diabetes uh, through the advent of the smartphone with the smartwatch. They can detect your calories and they can help you. Uh, I work in the field of autism and it's amazing because these are children, some of these children are nonverbal and they otherwise wouldn't have a voice and like it's it's still in effect. It used to be that you had to get a binder about this thick and they would have to Unvelcro these pictures of items just to communicate what they want. And it's, it's, it's a system called PEX. And it's so arduous. It's so, a lot of these children also have physical disabilities, and so it's harder to do this. And through the advent of something like the iPad, you have to see how it's it's almost miraculous. They're able to finally have a voice and communicate their needs, which so often their frustration is because they just can't communicate what they want. And for the first time, they can just boom, 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 tap a screen, and the screen will say, I want something to eat. And the, the parent knows. It's, it's amazing what's happening in the field of biology. And we're able to do things like dissections and teach people about, about biology through our tablets now. It's amazing. But also on a serious side, it, studies are showing how detrimental smartphones are to our mental health. And what they've seen is that since the rise of smartphone usage has gone up, anxiety has become the fastest growing most prevalent mental health disorder, anxiety attacks, anxiety disorders, all attributed uh, and connected to cell phone use. It used to be that if you were dealing with bullies, you could at least go home and escape. But now we live in an always on, always connected world where people can post online. They don't even have to message you directly. They can take a picture of you and shame you. And of course, that stuff is gonna get back to you. And we've seen people now commit suicide over things done online. And I don't think phones are evil. I think they are so good. I think this thing is so good. But it's also so bad. From a Christian perspective, a Christian leader said this. He said, people that attend our churches are spending way more time on social media than our in-person events. If that's where they are, that's where our ministry should be too social media isn't a promotion platform it's a medium for ministry i think that's amazing like for the first time god god commands us to spend, send the gospels to the ends of the earth and for the first time we can do that from our living room we can spread the gospel and there's so many ways to take advantage especially us as a portable church that doesn't have a physical location there's so many ways we can interact with one another because of phones but on the other hand, a Christian leader also said, Jefferson Bethke says this, it's phones and social, medias, social media that are way more invasive and destructive, way more compulsive and quick, and literally, and this, this is all science back, you can actually research this statement, has created a trillion-dollar culture that's entire goal is to get us addicted. And this is where he, where he, he hones on, in on, and I wanted you guys to read this with me, well, just to be able to read along. If we are going to be apprentices to Jesus and flourish as image bearers, I think the phones and devices are where we need to zero in on and where we really have to think intentionally in today's culture of noise and speed and addiction and attention and information. As I said before, the title for today's talk is this thing is so good and so bad because really I believe phones are so powerful and just like a car is so powerful, uh, the diff- when you're aware of the power that a car has, you drive differently, right? And in our series, we've been discussing how to conquer our thought life, how to find freedom, but I'm reminded of this scripture that says when a spirit leaves someone, eventually it comes back with more spirits and that person ends up worse off. And we want you to encounter freedom, but it is so possible for you to encounter freedom, encounter a life change, but leave here today and end up worse off here's how the open doors in our lives and we've talked about this we've talked about open doors and the foothold that the enemy can take but i think we've talked about it a lot in a physical sense in a spiritual sense but rarely have we ever talked about it as a church in the digital sense and it's so important because more and more this digital world is growing and it's so important because we use these technologies passively, but the companies behind them are using them intentionally. And here, here's, a, here's an example of just to see, and it's really cool, like it's amazing how fast technology is growing and this digital world that we're entering in. And so a couple years ago, this game Pokemon Go comes out. What was crazy about the game is you could post, point your phone at a, dig, at a physical space and find a digital object and interact with it, whatever. A couple years later now, this game Minecraft Earth is coming out, and what's happening is, is not only can you point your phone and interact at something digitally, you can create something on your phone that lives in a physical space. It will track the location, all of that. Some of you guys are like, that sounds spooky. No, it's, it's fun, it's cool, I promise, I think. That's my preference. And then someone else who doesn't know you, doesn't know your name, it's all. It's important to keep these things private so unless you approve of a friend request or something, they will still be able to see what you created without ever having seen you through their digital device. And the game is called Minecraft Earth. It's, and so literally more and more our world is becoming digital. So many of us probably have relationships that we interact with more online than we ever do in the physical world. World, and we know a person more digitally than we knew physically. And, and the technology is amazing. Like that, the, what I just described, in the scientific field, uh, surgeons are able to practice surgery, because you can't really practice surgery on like an actual person, right? They might, that would be bad. But now they're able to practice surgery thanks to the advent of, of virtual reality. They're using this technology to have people, uh, tr- uh, upcoming surgeons, practice something that, they, that would be otherwise very difficult and costly to do. And so it's an amazing technology, but I, I share all of that because I don't want to show it that it's, it's bad and, oh my God, the digital world is consuming us. No, just to show the importance of the digital world and how quickly It is growing, and how more and more we are living in a digital world as well as a physical and spiritual world. Here's how I know I'm live: i a digital being. You ready? I get battery anxiety. Battery anxiety is when your phone hit 15%, and all of a sudden, you got to go home. (laughs) Yo, I don't even put my phone on battery saver just because it gives me, like, sometimes I've woken up with it on, and I'm like, why didn't this charge? What the? I can't go out today. I'm calling in sick. You ever have this conversation? But what percent are you at? <laughs> y'all, y'all turn into lawyers. Like I know you have more uh, uh, less percentage than me. But look, I'm gonna be on my phone more because I need to. You and you start because this joint needs to have battery. That's called battery anxiety. Yo, know, when a device can make you go home early. Yeah, I start making ex. Yeah, I gotta wake up early. You don't work in the morning. Yeah, but I just gotta be up early, cause I, you know, I fast and I pray in the morning. And I seen you post a selfie to Dunkin' Donuts. I know, but that's my. Stop making excuses. But more and more, we are becoming digital beings. And here's just some statistics. Uh, Yale Tribune said that 91% of Americans aged 16 to 55 admit to using their smartphones. And I want want to emphasize that because many times we can think it's a young person thing. But my mom be on social media a lot more than I ever was. Anyway, we were at Rose's birthday dinner, and I was like, Ma, can you stop posting to Facebook? Can you just enjoy us? Your son is here. Anyway, 91% of Americans age 16 to 55 admit to using their smartphone as an extension of their brains, while 44% say their smartphones serve as their memories. I'm in that 44%, y'all. I don't got memory. Uh, a study from MIT found that students who were asked to give up their phones for just 24 hours suffered from anxiety and confusion without their mobiles. A study from the Journal of Computer-Mediated Communication found that some young people suffered from withdrawal symptoms when separated from their phones. So this thing is affecting us. And I think we know that, but like, we don't know that, know that. And I, even to the point that I felt a little silly, I was like, oh, should, you know, preaching on a phone, shouldn't I preach on something else? Having known the statistics, I've had to write papers on the effects of smartphones, but it still feels like this thing that even though we know it's affecting us, we dismiss it. But there's this, and I think it is imperative, as as Jefferson Bethke said in his quote, if we want to flourish, it's our phones that we need and the devices that we need to be intentional in. And there's this author... Um, called, named Cal Newport, who wrote a book called Digital Minimalism in an endeavor to create a way for us to responsibly use our phones. And, and I think that's important. I love the book. I personally recommend it if you, if you really, really want to go all in on this. It, it really helped me. But my plan today is to use some of those principles, because I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. I'm going to take some of the principles that he puts forth. But what I want us to do is see what the Bible has to say Because so often in life, I think, because the Bible doesn't necessarily—I mean, Jesus ain't have an Instagram, right? But I think there are biblical truths that we can apply, and I actually think that there's an ancient example of who we are today, and it comes in the book of Mark. Uh, It's chapter 10, and we're starting at verse 13. I want to preface in verse 13, uh, because I think it's almost like a prequel to what we see, and I think it'll be a great lens for how we see the rest of the sermon— it says, some people brought children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples scolded the people. When Jesus noticed this, he was angry and said to his disciples, let the children come to me and do not stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms, in his, in his arms placed them in his hands, Place. I can't see the speakers in the way. He, he blessed each of them so who comes to Jesus the children who does Jesus bless the children who does Jesus say we need to be like children and then a few moments later as Jesus was starting on his way again a man ran up knelt before him and asked him good teacher what must I do to receive eternal life Jesus says why do you call me good he tells them you know the commandments follow the commandments the, the man responds, "Since I was young, since I was a child, I have obeyed all the commandments." Jesus looks at him with love and he says, if "You need only one thing." Other translations say, If you want to be perfect, you need, you, if you want to be perfect." And in here it says, You need only one thing: Go and sell all you have and give the money to the poor, and you will have riches in heaven. Then come and follow me." When the man heard this, gloom spread over his face, and he went away sad because he was very rich. So the children come to Jesus, and they find their blessing, but this man, this adult, comes to Jesus, and he does it. He he actually, it's not that Jesus turns him away. He turns away from the blessing and the promise. Jesus actually tells him to follow him. Jesus calls him to be a disciple which is I would think is a greater blessing than what the children got. So often in life what we're holding on to and really what we've been conformed to think and what we've learned affects us. And causes us to walk away. See, here's, here's what God did. God asked him to release the things that he was holding on to. And I think his question, like, hey, if you want to be perfect, follow the commandments, was one of those questions that Jesus be throwing, savage Jesus, like when he asked the woman at the well, oh, where's your husband, knowing she ain't have a husband? Like, it was one of those, oh, follow the commandments. And you could hear in his response this, like, Lord, I've been doing that for the rest of my, my whole life, and I'm still here. I think so often we're following commandments, we're doing what we think we're supposed to be doing, and we still feel unfulfilled, but there's things in our lives that God is telling us to release. And I think we understand that from a physical and spiritual plane, but on a digital plane, I think there are things we hold on to that we ought to release. And I look at this young man, and I say, man, if that's not me. And he had physical possessions, but I think our physical possessions directly mimic and mirror our digital possessions. I promise you I've spent more money on Fortnite skins. All the old people are like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I spent money on ringtones back in the day. I've spent money. <laughs> Sheila still got that ringtone voicemail? Call Sheila, everybody calls Sheila after service. It's amazing. <laughs> I spent more money on digital things than I actually have in the physical realm. So it's, it's with this person that I want to use as a case study and transition some things that I think will apply directly to our lives. And so I'm going to jump around. I'm not going to go in chronological order. I'm going to jump around uh, in moments of the scripture of this encounter between the man and Jesus. And I really want to insert ourselves into his shoes and us and Jesus. And the first thing that I want to talk about is the last thing that we read. It says he went away sad because he was very rich. Other translations say because he had so many possessions. And it's crazy that the very things that he was holding on to, the very things that he had built up in his life were the very reason that he went away. And in Jesus' response, and after saying that we need to be like children to enter the kingdom, say, it's harder for someone with possessions, it's harder for someone who is very rich to enter the kingdom than for a camel to enter the eye of the needle. And then he goes on to say, because the disciples are like, whoa, whoa, whoa then who then can be saved? He said, by man's power, no one, but through God, all things are possible. And I do want us to, while we're here, I want us to hold on to that because this is going to be a very application message, but it would be all in vain if we're doing it on our strength and we set out to do all of this on our will. It's through God that all things are possible. It's through God that we're going to have the strength to apply any of that, anything that we speak about today. So often in life, we are holding on to physical things Holding on to our job, our career, our our possessions, our home, our valuables. And we're asking God for a blessing. And I think, I, I mean, the way that I grew up, sometimes I think God is punishing me. Like, oh, God's not blessing me because of this, and it's no, it's because of this, God can't bless me. Because of what I'm holding on to, he's still pouring out the blessing, but my hand can't receive it. Jesus still makes the offer, come and follow me, but because of everything that he was holding on to, he walked away. And all Jesus said was release it. Jesus didn't say, because of your possessions, you can't follow me. He said, let go of your possessions and follow me, and he made the decision to Walk away. And so often we disqualify ourselves. Shame comes into play, sin comes into play, and and we start to feel like we're not good enough for God. I think it's interesting that even though Adam and Eve ate the fruit, God was still in the garden looking for them. It's them who hid themselves. And in a spiritual sense, sometimes we're holding on to bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, and we're wanting freedom, but we're holding on to grudges in our lives. And God is trying to give us freedom. He's trying to give us the grace. He's granted it to us, but we can't grasp, grasp it because there's already something in our hand, and God is saying, release it and come follow me. But we walk away sad because we have so much. And in a digital level, this exists. And you know, I think we so often talk about the physical and the spiritual, and we can apply God's word in the physical and the spiritual. And we start to do that, and we're not holding on to things physically or spiritually, but we are holding on to them digitally. We're still following those people that we shouldn't be following. And we fall into temptation that we wouldn't fall into in the real world. Like, I would never hang out with that girl at her house, but I'm still on her page. I would never be alone with this person. Oh, I'm not mad at him, but I'm still hate. hate Hate-liking is a thing. Did you guys know hate-liking is a thing? You can like something because you hate it now? That's crazy. And we're getting involved in the comment section, and we're debating people, and our anger is good in the physical world, but let you text me. I got self-control. I don't got text control. My, my first principle for today is this, clutter is costly. Clutter is costly. Luke twelve fifteen says, and he went, away, he went on to say to them, this is Jesus, watch out and guard yourselves from every kind of greed because your true life is not made up of the things you own, no matter how rich you may be. And I want to move into a season where I'm no longer filling my life with clutter, but I start asking myself things. If I'm gonna hold on to this, does it contribute to something that I already value, physically? If I buy this Tesla, is it because the church, I can use it for the church and you know be a great youth leader, or because I can stunt on people? Y'all know why I still don't got a Tesla, right? I haven't made that leap yet. <laughs> Spiritually, am, am I gonna add this bitterness? Am I gonna add this hurt? to my life? Is it going to contribute to something that I value or is it going to be a detriment to what I value? And then digitally, am I going to download this app? Do I really need another version of Uber? Why are there so many Ubers? Why do we have them? Uber, Lyft, Juno, Via. It's crazy. And and it might be inconvenient because, you know, sometimes Lyft got the promotion and Uber don't. But you know what? It's so much more satisfying to just have one and not be hopping around from one app to another because they all have that red badge app that drives you crazy. It drives me crazy when I see it. Some of y'all got the number 1,000 on your notifications. I'm like, how the heck? Yeah, I need deliverance. (laughs) And we start asking ourselves, why am I gonna add this into my life? Is it gonna contribute to something I value? Because we understand this, clutter is costly. We don't wanna store up treasure in this world Uh, The Bible says don't store up treasures where where moths and things can destroy it. All your data could be deleted. That's the millennial version of that Bible. We don't want clutter. We don't want clutter because it's going to cost us. And we see that this man's clutter, all that he had, costs him an opportunity to be with Jesus. And can I let you know on a secret, this is a spoiler alert because I'm going to get to this later, Jesus is it Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the prize. Jesus is everything that we need and want. <clears throat> Jesus is my value. And, and, and you may have other values, family values, social values. Those are all important. Maybe you have the FaceTime app uh, because you, you travel a lot and it helps you see your kids. Maybe you're in a mixed family and, and it helps you spend time with your kids when you're, you're not with them. That's all great value, so you should that's a reason to have the app. Our family just got really involved with Marco Polo because we're very busy, and so now this is a video messaging app that allows us to keep in touch with each other, and we f- I feel like our family has felt more connected than it has in years, and we haven't been able to meet physically, but digitally we have because we got involved with something that contributed to value. We didn't just get it because it's cool. We didn't get it because it's convenient. We didn't get it because we felt like, isn't everybody supposed to have one? So we ask this question, do I really need it? Do I really need all 99 versions of Candy Crush? Why are there all 99 versions to play the same exact game? It's literally the same thing. Do I need all 99 versions that all, especially video games, are designed to keep you addicted? That whole level system, the rewards, all of it. Do I really need more of that? And yeah, it's gonna help me kill some downtime, but what if we valued our downtime? I've started, I've embraced this challenge, and you know what I've realized in boredom? In being bored, I start to think about things I didn't know I was thinking about. I start to realize, oh, I'm, I'm worried about that. Like, oh, all this time, I had no idea I was worried about that and because I was doing this thing called the quick check. And it's in any time you're online, anytime there's a moment of silence, anytime time there's a moment of boredom, I do this. You know I've checked the same website that I checked two minutes ago that had no new content and I went back to it just to see if there was new content in a two-minute span? Rather than just check in with myself, rather than just fill my life with nothing so that God could give me everything. And then he goes on, he doesn't go on, but we also see in this moment, he tells the man, "Go go and sell your possessions to the poor. And so what we see, he goes, go and sell your possessions, and the money that you're going to have that is valuable, the thing that you're going to have that has value, here's what to do with it. Because if there were no instructions on what to do with the money, you know what the young man would end up doing? Buying more possessions. But Jesus sets parameters on the valuable thing that he would have. He said, hey, what you have is not valuable. Sell it. The money is valuable. Here's what you can do with the money. Commit it to a purpose. Make someone's life better. And so when we add things of value in our lives, we no longer just add them because they're valuable. We also set parameters on how we're going to use them. So we say, if I'm allowing this into my life because it supports a value, you know what? Maybe not all of it does support a value. Facebook is really good at connecting you to people, but it's also really good at making you feel anxious with the world. So maybe I'm not going to be on Facebook every single day. Maybe because I'm a music artist, we have a lot of music artists here, and social media is vital to your career in this day and age. But maybe you don't need to be on it every day. Maybe you can hire someone else to manage your social media. Maybe you guys, I think of like Frank and Drew, maybe Frank can do Drew's social media, and Drew could do Frank's. Because Drew isn't going to be tempted on Frank's Instagram, and Frank won't be tempted, vice versa. Like these little things, and it might be a little inconvenient, but isn't inconvenience worth our sanity? which studies are proving that this thing is <laughs> affecting our sanity. Principle number two is this. Optimization is important. In Ephesians, the, the word says, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be very careful how you live. In his book, uh, When he talks about optimization, he says it's important for us to be very careful on how we use technology. And I just think that's so awesome that there's these direct parallels between what science and research is finding and what our word tells us. Be very careful how we live. And here's why it's so important: because the companies that make these apps and devices are very careful. They're very intentional you know why Facebook, even though Facebook's entire company color is blue, their notifications in their app are red, because they used to be blue, but they found that they get way more engagement when the color is red. You know why you pull down to refresh? Because that mimics a slot machine which activates the reward system in your mind, and your brain is hyper-susceptible to intermittent reinforcement. So reinforcement, when you don't know when it's coming, when it's random, when it's just randomized, you're, you're more likely to be addicted to a behavior. And these professionals are actually hired to study the tactics in Vegas to keep you addicted to the phones. And here's, here's why, because most of these apps are free. And if the app is free, the product is you and me. And not because they're evil, just because just there's money involved. Because there's revenue to be made. And it's already happened when we start switching where we're putting our eyes and we start making the concern our well-being, they'll start investing in our well-being. So already there has been a, a fight and that's why things like screen time and digital well-being have happened because people have started to say, hey, we don't want to be addicted to these things. And they've started to be very careful. And when companies saw that, they said, well, let's invest our money there. It's not because they're evil. It's because They want to generate a revenue. And so if we start demanding better products that are healthier, they'll start creating them. But if we're allowing ourselves to passively consume and become addicted, they're going to invest their money there. So the reason we need to be intentional is because the people who make these things are. So we start asking ourselves not just will I use it, why will I use it, but we start asking ourselves how am I going to use this? How am I going to use this device? We go beyond just using things because they're valuable. We start setting these parameters. The same guy, Jefferson Bethke, not a book that he published, not anything that he put out, nothing like for profit, all for him and his family, created something called the Bethke Tech Manifesto. And I think this is insane. He he made it available on his account because so many people were asking him, so it's in his story section if any of you are interested. It's called Tech Manifesto. And what it is, is their family's guide to technology. Because he believes in order for us to flourish, we need to make an intentional effort on these devices. It's a, a document, like the thing is long, on how their family is going to use technology, when they're going to use it, why they're going to use it, why they won't use it. His kids, he doesn't believe, need tech, tech devices, and so he says they don't need it right now. They're way too young, but they are allowed to use it if they're sick. They are allowed to use it uh, if we travel. There's so many parameters and rules. Not because, well, we need to do this because tech is the devil. Just because he wants to live a life that's flourishing. And so he sets these parameters. He optimizes the tech in his life. He says, hey, I understand this thing is so good and so valuable, but I also understand that it can be so bad. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure there are rules and parameters around the so bad, not for salvation. Not No, I got the salvation. I got Jesus. What I want is not to be distracted from Jesus. And I know this thing can distract me from my calling. So what I'm going to do is bind it and put parameters here so I can only enjoy what is so good And not what's so bad. I love that in the garden, there's so many parameters on how much they can enjoy the garden. And there's only one rule. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's a parameter. And then the last thing there is just to commit these plans to God. Because, again, if we're doing this on our strength, well, it's all in vain. And the scripture there earlier, it says understand what the lord's will is and you know i'm like i think it's almost silly but i've never asked the question lord how how can my phone glorify you because i've never thought to i've so passively used this it's like lord how can washing my hands glorify you but what if we ask that more lord what's your will in my life for this device lord what's your will for my life in in my job lord what's your will for my life in how i do my life And if it's a part of my life, shouldn't I ask him more? So we commit them to God, and we ask what his will is to us. What are we going to do? We're going to understand that clutter is costly, and we're going to start asking things like, why am I going to add this into my life? And then once we evaluate these things, we're going to say, how am I going to use it? And then for the last thing, we see Jesus tell this young man, come and follow me. Come and follow me. You're looking for satisfaction. You're not satisfied. It's very easy to tell that this young man is not satisfied, and he offers him satisfaction because we see Peter tell Jesus when everybody leaves Jesus. There's this moment where everybody leaves Jesus, and Peter, Jesus says, are you guys going to leave too? Peter says, where else are we going to go? You are everything. You're everything. And Jesus offers this man a life with him. A life, he said, you're living life passively. I want you to live life intentionally. And here's, here's the principle. Intentionality is satisfying. Part of the scripture I want to read for right now is this. Every athlete in training submits to strict discipline in order to be crowned with a wreath, in order to be crowned with a prize. Every athlete in training submits to strict discipline in order to be crowned with a prize. And what Cal Newport study found is people on a secular level with no God involved found satisfaction just in being intentional. That there's satisfaction just in being determined and intentional about how we live our lives. And here's what the scripture says. They do this for a prize that will not last. But we do it for one that will last forever. So what I want to ask you guys today is how much more for us when we start living life, not just to be intentional for intentional sake, but we know the prize that we have in Jesus. Paul is the same author who says, I run with endurance, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher and perfecter of our faith. And in this series... The way that we conquer our thought life, the way we do anything in life is by holding on to Jesus, the author and and finisher and perfecter of our faith. It's through Jesus that we're going to do this and we run towards him. He's the prize we're running for. And so when we submit to discipline, when we submit to training, when we apply these parameters, when we live intentional, it's not to get to heaven. The man is asking how to get into heaven. Jesus says, come be with me. Because the life that I offer is so much more satisfying than living a life trying to earn your way to heaven. Because when you're with me, heaven is placed inside of you. And I want to live a life where I wake up fixed on Jesus. And I run towards Jesus. And I go to sleep looking more and more like Jesus. So I submit to discipline. Not because I want God to love me. I submit to discipline because God loves me. says this. We're going to back up a little bit. I do this for the gospel's sake. Why do I do all that I do for the gospel's sake? In order to share in its blessings. Surely you know that many runners take part in a race, but only one of them wins the prize. Run then in such a way. What if you ran that only one person would win the prize? What if you ran like only you could get Jesus, and you just ran with all endurance? Every athlete in training submits to strict discipline in order to be crowned with a wreath that will not last, but we do it for one that lasts forever. That is why I run straight for the finish line. That is why I am like a boxer who does not waste his punches. That is why I am like a boxer who does not waste his punches. I harden my body with blows and bring it under complete control. This is the same Paul saying, I harden my body with blows and bring it under complete control. Who knows how hard that is to do? It's the same Paul who says, my flesh is at war. I do the things I don't want to, and the things I know I'm supposed to, I don't do. And so I fight to bring my body under complete control. Not so God will love me, not to get into heaven. Why? To keep myself from being disqualified after having called others to the race. Because it's so easy to disqualify ourselves. God will never disqualify you, but you'll disqualify yourself. I've done it so many times. I've called Roe, you're going to hate me. You don't know what I did. I'm so this, I'm so that. And every time he's spoken God's word over my life, I said, no, you are the righteousness of God. No, you are more than a conqueror. It's so easy to disqualify us not realizing that Jesus is the one who won the race for us. The reason we run this race to Jesus is because he's already hit the finish line on the cross when he said, It is finished. It's a race to win more of Jesus. This is the same Paul who said, I've considered everything worth nothing in comparison to the knowledge of Jesus. And so we live this life knowing that intentionality is satisfying. We live a life where we waste no punches. We waste no punches. And I'm not a fighter, so I brought some fighters here today. Why don't you guys give your hands for Marlin and Frank... Mar- Marlin, how long have you been training? Four years. How long have you been training in the streets? My whole life. <laughs> Frank, how long have you been fighting? Six years. How long have you been fighting in the streets? I'm safe now.: <laughs> Amen. So Frank is actually a professional. Uh, he's, he's trained in boxing for, you said, six years. Marlin has trained in, uh, I asked him, is, the answer was everything. I was like, that's a lot of things. What is it, go ahead, go ahead, say everything. Jiu Jitsu, Judo, Shotokan Karate, and Muay Thai kickboxing. That sounded like he was speaking in tongues right there. That's crazy. <laughs> so let's, let's move over here, let's move over here. It's safe to say, have, have you guys seen people waste punches in the gym? What's the, is there a difference between wasting punches and missed punches. Okay, so just because you miss a punch doesn't always mean it's a wasted punch. It's important. What's the difference with a wasted, punch? a wasted punch? A wasted punch is something that you throw that had no value, that it wasn't gonna land no matter what. And even if it does land, sometimes it wasn't the right punch to throw. So often in life, Frank, And Marlon, I want you guys to show me what it looks like when we waste our punches. We just swing, and so often in life, we're told to just keep swinging. You gotta hustle. You gotta grind. You gotta, you gotta throw your punches. You gotta just keep swinging. Just keep swinging till you knock your target down. Just keep swinging. You're gonna hit something eventually. Social media is free real estate. You could go viral in a week. Just keep being active in social media. You gotta go viral. You gotta swing. But I asked Frank what happens when you start wasting punches. Frank said this, you end up on your back. You end up tired, and so often we're exhausted because we're wasting our punches because life is telling us if you just get that relationship, if you just get that job, if you just download that app, if you have that phone, you're going to land something eventually. But what if we live the life where we waste no punches? Paul says, I submit myself to strict discipline, strict training. And so what's going to happen is Frank's not going to waste his punch. He's going to wait for his coach to train him. His coach is going to call out the punches in training, and Frank's not going to swing, Frank's not going to move if Marlon doesn't say to move. And what happens in the training process, when God is our coach, he develops us. This isn't the first school we were in, and many people could have said that that was a wasted punch, but I think it was a punch that we did with all intentionality on God, and because we moved, not what could have been a wasted punch because we did it on us, was a punch that prepared us. And now we're here, and we, I feel like we fully operate so much differently because God put us in a place of training before he brought us to a place of purpose. And so I want you guys to train. What's going to happen is I'm going to give Marlon the mic. He's going to call out punches. And Mar- uh, Frank will not move without, Frank's, uh, without Marlon's command. Jab, cross. Hook. Cross, hook. Cross hook. jab, double jab. Stop. Stop. Frank stops. Go. Double jab, jab, cross hook, cross hook, jab, cross hook. Stop. We, we don't move throwing punches recklessly. We move at the word of our coach. Because in training, it prepares us. Because sometimes we get into battle, sometimes we deal with temptations, and we're like, Lord! But we're so consumed with the temptation already that it's so much harder to hear his voice. And we walk away, God giving us the very answer to our problems, we walk away sad. But if we're in training, constantly submitting ourselves to discipline, constantly submitting ourselves to God's word, constantly making this thing more and more in us, constantly using this device, what if we looked at this device and said, it's going to make me look more like Jesus. Hashtag no filter. There's apps that help you memorize scripture. I love that we have someone like Emily who's gone kuhau viral with this worship playlist that she shared. And it's been a testament to so many people's lives here who are like, I can't use any other playlist. This playlist ministers directly to my soul. I love that we have someone like Susan, who just this week, without knowing I was gonna mention her, got a message of someone saying, thank you so much for using social media to spread the gospel because it's ministered to me so much. Right now, I look at Vanessa, who every Sunday live streams our services. We don't got a live stream team. She's our live stream team. And there are people who follow her just to be here when they miss our out. I love that so many of you use this device to sow seeds and to invest, that we got more people who invest through Givelify than in the physical world. Now you say, no, this tool isn't gonna be so bad, it's gonna help me invest in what's so good. I love that so many of you follow us, share our podcast, share our posts, and say, I'm gonna be on this thing, my music, connects people, wrong person, my music connects people to God. You had some music back in the day. And so when I'm on social media, it connects people to my music and my music then connects people to God. So that because everything we do in the training, by the time the battle comes, we don't have to listen for his voice because it's in us and we already know the will of God. The, the Romans says uh, renew your mind so that by testing, you will know the will of God you will have it in you and so when that the battle comes Marlon's not going to be his trainer he's going to be his opponent and all Frank needs is a release from God and so when I say Frank now's your time when I say Frank go wait when I say Frank release when I say Frank waste no punches Frank can just go and launch everything that God has for him go ahead Frank go Every punch that Marlon was telling him, he's throwing. He's not thinking about it. He's just swinging. But his swings aren't reckless. Every swing is in tune with the word of God. Get up on your feet. If you're going to want to live this life where we waste no punches. And here's what happens. We run. And because God has already done it, he crowns us. And he lifts our hands. And he gives us the victory. Thank you, guys. You guys are good. I want to live a waste, no punches kind of life. Well, I'm not just recklessly swinging and, and getting so caught up. I love that Paul says, get rid of the snare that so easily entangles us. And then get run to Jesus. So often we're trying to run, but we find ourselves entangled. And sin was never about right and wrong. Sin was this thing that always causes us, for whatever reason, to turn away from God. And what repentance is, is just turning back to God. And I want to live a life where everything that I do is so intentional. And I'm asking myself, is it going to support what I value? How am I going to use it? Because I know that in being intentional, I'm running for a prize that will last forever. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people and love life. Who is a place where our story is still being written. Together we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhowcom slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.